Hello, and welcome to Artbox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I talk to Anthony Hurt. Anthony is a visual artist who paints abstract portraiture and internal landscapes while remaining fluid. We talk about working for yourself, what people get wrong about them, and free will. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the interview. Let's just go ahead and start then. Let me ask you this question. So what's your origin story? How did you get your start in the arts? I started young. I don't know. Six or seven is when I like knew I wanted to do something with this. I think it was like a pretty selfish, childish thing at that age where I was like, I get attention for doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm good at this and yeah. people pat me on the back for it. Or I would win uh, little awards. It was like fifth grade, I think. I won some school award where I got to go to like a pizza party and I got the day away from school and an award ceremony and all this stuff. And I was like, if it gets me out of school, gets me pizza, yeah. like I'm in. So I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you weren't trying hard enough. <laughs> I guess not. It started there, and then um, in ninth grade, I switched schools to an arts magnet school. It was a new magnet school. Well, the whole magnet school system in Kansas City was pretty new at that point. When I transferred over, there was only about three or 400 students. That gave me the opportunity to pursue a lot of things, but when we moved into a new school... Uh, they didn't plan very well for it. <laughs> like yeah. the, the curriculum wasn't very strict hmm. and they, it wasn't a very good educational system, but it just allowed me a lot of freedom to basically do whatever the hell I wanted to do. We, you know, in high school, that's great. No one really telling me what to do. I basically passed most of my academic classes by not causing problems. Uh, and it was an inner city school and we had, you know, metal detectors at every door, oh, bomb threats every couple weeks and all, all kinds of fun activities. So if you just stayed out of trouble, you could pretty much coast, coast by pretty easily. I was going to say, we're quickly, I have a fun fact. I also went to an art high school as well. We didn't have, uh, metal detectors though, and I had crazy time, and then I went to an art college afterwards, so I'm double scarred. So, but anyway, as you were saying, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I skipped art school. I had a lot of friends that were ex students, and a couple professors at the Kansas City Art Institute. I don't know. I learned real quickly that I just don't learn very well in a typical educational system. Yeah, I I've always had to kind of tackle things in my own way and dissect them and pull them apart. I'm, it's better for me to like get a book, go to the index, find out what, what I want to learn, go to that page hmm. and study it Yeah, and just kind of do it at my own pace in my own way based on where my interests pull me. Yeah. And that's just kind of how I've approached everything at this point. Well, now I have YouTube, so I don't have to like <laughs> hunt down random books. Yeah. And Amazon, if you do find random books. Yeah, well, I avoid Amazon like as much as possible. But yeah, that's true. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> it's still like a necessity on some level because there are things that are really hard to find. So yeah, that's true. But I canceled my my Amazon Prime subscription, and that made me feel like a better person for a couple <laughs> minutes. 
for two minutes and you're like oh man <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah reality set in now i have to pay for shipping <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's that reality <laughs> so at what point you kind of continue your career in visual arts what kind of things did you do like kind of design work or uh did you just yeah i was i was actually kind of forced to take a, a computer course my senior year in high school mm -hmm. This was 1994. Yeah. So it was like a Power Mac 7500, 100. Photoshop didn't have layers. Right. Like everything, you would basically move something and then you have to walk away for an hour until the computer has adjusted. <laughs> um, You're OG. You're OG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was old school uh, design stuff. And then I did some like zines and stuff with a friend of mine back in Kansas City. What would the zines cover? Uh, was it just art or? Skateboarding and music. That was primarily what it all was. It was like straight edge hardcore music and skateboarding. Oh, okay. At the time, I was a bassist and a couple straight edge bands. And well, if you don't mind me asking, what were the name of the bands? I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, the last one was called Daybreak and the first one was called Restrain. And they're like non-existent i think there's something on youtube of one of our old <laughs> records from restrain but no. otherwise it's pretty off the map <laughs> hard to find but our old singer for restrain went on to be the lead singer in a band called coalesce that became pretty big in the 90s coalesce that name i don't know i have to look that up i thought it sounds familiar but i have to look that up so with that all being said about uh, your your jump into the crazy arts, what types of materials and subjects you use and or explore? Um, at this point, it's primarily just acrylics, and I started using more aerosol paints recently. I use canvas for the large pieces, wood for the smaller pieces. Well, which do you prefer, actually? Uh, do you still like to use uh, wood or plywood or... Uh, I like both. Oh. I mean, for smaller pieces, I like wood because it gives me a finer surface so that I can like dial in the details easier. Yeah. But on the bigger pieces, I prefer canvas because it gives me texture and things to work with mm. because I'm not going to drill into details <laughs> the yeah. same way I would uh, the small pieces. Like I have a show in London in May and just in general, when I'm working larger on larger works, it's just easier to ship it unstretched and it's safer and I can roll them up and it'll cost me like a tenth of what it would cost to crate it in a giant box. So it's more convenient to the bigger pieces on canvas. Well, it also sounds like you're being efficient. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I work for myself, so I try to save money wherever <laughs> I can. <laughs> So uh, what kind of subject matters do you like to explore? Do you kind of go more uh, internal or external or uh, like man versus man, man versus nature kind of stuff? Or what, what kind of things you like to explore? It changes all the time. I guess in the last year, I just kind of let go of what I thought was the like niche that I had to stay in. Mm -hmm. When I moved to Texas in 2013, it was like the first time in 15, 16 years that I'd been away from mountains. 
Oh, wow. And I was just like in this super flat, not very attractive <laughs> southern part of Texas. It was like, I don't know what it's called. It felt like vertigo, but it wasn't <laughs> vertigo. Uh, just looking at the horizon because it was just so flat and long. <laughs> yeah. I was always used to some obstruction, like some mountain, some hill, some something. Yeah. Like the absence of that struck me really hard. And that's what sparked a lot of my old landscapes was just like, I didn't realize how kind of grounding those elements were in my environment until they were gone. Hmm. And so I became pretty obsessed with landscapes for about five years. Although that fifth or sixth year, I just started getting really tired of it. And I just didn't know how to transition out of it. Um, and a lot of that was like, I went through a number of like major traumatic events and I was kind of expressing a lot of internal things through my landscapes hmm. and I was calling them internal landscapes because they weren't literal places. They were just this conglomeration of places I remember. I didn't use physical references or anything. So, yeah, but as I moved out of that headspace over the years, I had been wanting to move more into like abstract portraiture and other things, but I just didn't know how to do that career wise. Like how do you just up and stop and do something else? But when COVID hit and we were all stuck at home anyways, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know if any of my art shows were going to happen or if anybody was going to buy art in an economy where half the people can't work yeah, or whatever. I was just like, well, what the hell? Like I should just do whatever the hell I want to do now. So that's when, I mean, I've been like dabbling in the portraits over the last four or five years, but I hadn't like landed on something that was working for me. Then this year, I just threw everything into that direction. So you made this kind of transition and I, I like the transition. I like these abstract portraits you have. It seems like if I had to, to label it, 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 which I hate to, but it's like this uh, kind of controlled chaos. And I, I love that fact. It's like you have this control and yet there's all this chaos going on around them and what have you. You just give enough detail. Uh, you don't give too much, but you give enough. And it really lets me go into a lot of different spaces, you know, uh, how I well, would, how would I preach with it. my landscapes like that too. Exactly. I did. I did a, <clears throat> my landscapes were like, I mean, I approached them very similarly. Like I didn't go in with plans most of the time. I just laid paint down in layers and started pulling out what I wanted and what I didn't. So I basically applied those same methods to hmm. the portraitures. Yeah. I would say that there is an element of my work lately that has been very centered around like LGBTQ AI plus like identities. Mm-hmm. And it can be an important, an important topic <laughs> to address sometimes, but uh, it's not necessary. It's not like everything I do is geared towards that. About that, we can. I have no problem with that. So, I mean, it, it has it. Uh, have you felt yourself drawn to to talking about those type of subject matters, or? Well, for the longest time, I avoided any association with that because I didn't want to be like. Like before it came out as non-binary and I just identified with gay, I would mm -hmm. 
I would not want to be like a gay artist because stereotype. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's stereotyped. Like typically, it's all like based around eroticism, and it had a lot of boxes that I didn't fit into. I kind of feel like as this latest administration hit, people's voices being louder and more prominent seem more important mm-hmm. and like that I needed to address that somehow. So I did start exploring more of that, but it became more of a focus of, uh, I just have this amazing circle of extremely talented, creative, queer people in my life that are just like super inspiring. Like they just have so much confidence and they stand up for all the things that all the injustices that they see and they're, yeah. they were out there protesting and marching and risking their lives. Like, yeah. But it was just like, there's these huge colorful people and they don't fit into the norms of what most people consider like the gay community. You know, even the terms like LGBTQ, AI plus all that. Like I, I have a hard time saying that. I just like to umbrella it all with queer <laughs> because, yeah. yeah it has a you know not everybody identifies with that but that's just the term that i feel most comfortable with right and uh i wanted to bring a focus to that like that color within the community that i don't think a lot of people see um and it's a it's a challenge it sounds like it was a challenge for yourself yeah i mean I think when I was young, coming out of like skateboarding and hardcore music, and then when I came out, I was like, I have zero idea where I fit into this world. Like, I don't, I don't fit any of the stereotypes. I came out in Kansas City, and it was like, I really felt like the only person in the city that was like me. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, I found this like amazing <laughs> mix of people and all this diversity. And, I was like, okay, there's like a world outside of that world. <laughs> yeah. But I don't I don't think it exists in small towns, like in smaller cities. You know, and like you have to be in a bigger city to fully experience that because they all leave their small towns. Yeah. It just made me want to uh explore that more visually. The current solo show that I have up in Santa Fe at uh Keep Contemporary is called uh Beyond the Rainbow because like I said, when I was younger, I didn't feel like I fit into that. I didn't feel like that whole, you know, rainbow gay culture thing was for me. There's like a piece in there called Queer Messiah because there's like this whole subculture of spirituality that it's based around like queer spirituality. That's not something most like queer people are used to is having like gay deities or you know <laughs> things that's like it's just like a, wanting to normalize black santa you know i i want to normalize the idea that queer people can be can be saints uh anything yeah well, yeah. yeah it'll change and <laughs> well it will change like you said everything is fluid so nothing is yeah. is ever you know concrete yeah and that that is very important because you know um that's kind of equivalent what I've always said to people, and I've probably said it before on the show, is like the day you, you stop learning is the day you start dying. And this is kind of an equivalent to that, where the day you become fixed and, and concrete, you don't start living anymore. So to be fluid is very, is very helpful and good for your survival, mentally and physically. 
Well, yeah, I mean, our, our older generations like grew up with the idea that you get a full-time job and a pension and you retire at a certain time and you do your thing, but like, right. A timeline. They re- retirement is like death for a lot of them. You right. know, my grandpa was like that. It was like, well, now I have his golf and beer. <laughs> and two years later, there was nothing else. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't, don't retire. <laughs> well, right. Well, if you're working in a factory, maybe, but for what yeah. you're doing yeah what don't you retire doing? internally <laughs> right don't retire. that's that's the best way to put it you're right don't retire internally so at some point you, you were working for other people for the man so to speak yeah when when did you feel that pull to work for yourself was it an event or just one day you're like you know that's it i'm done well first of all like i've worked for myself most of my life okay i started in the design industry like in my early 20s and I worked for like a bunch of design companies that did movie advertising and we did commercial work and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But um, within like guess five years, I, I was a partner in my own firm back in Los Angeles. And I went from that company to another that I started with a friend. And then when he decided to get married and move to San Francisco and split the company up, I just freelanced from there. I mean, I'm still working for other people, but at least I had some kind of control over my schedule and the projects that I took on. So I freelanced for 14 years. In that period, there was one year, or not even a whole year, that I worked for somebody else, like, at a studio. I just, I don't know. From a very early age, I've always had (laughs) really strong opinions they're not as strong as they were when I was, you know, in my twenties and thought I knew everything. <laughs> oh, uh, but <laughs> I was there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was like I just always, uh, I maybe it comes from my, you know, my dad was always, uh, he always owned his own businesses, and so it just made me see at an early age, like, yeah, you can work for yourself. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. So I think a lot of times people have this mentality that when they work for other people that that person is special somehow (laughs) like Hmm. like there's something great about them because they own this company or whatever but like they're just people who had an idea and they executed it well enough to like establish themselves in a manner that you know built up and so i never looked at the owners of the companies that i worked for in that way i just like yeah you're a person and i disagree with you so <laughs> yeah. i'm probably just going to go do it my own way yeah, i've had that kind of experience too <laughs> we all have yeah but most yeah. of us don't have the confidence to just like go do your own thing my dad always told me like if you don't have control over your future then you're always going to be limited on some level hmm. you know if your future is in the hands of another person then you don't have full control over where you go that is true that is valid yeah and so that was always kind of in the back of my head it was like maybe not in a good way but it was like they're controlling me yeah (laughs) yeah right yeah this part of me that they're stopping me from being what i want to be right and yeah and freelancing i never fully enjoyed the advertising world it was just like i grew up really poor and then I fall into this job a year. I'm making 80000 a year. 
coming from nothing. Right. And I was just like money, you know, and it just kept coming. And it was like, as a freelancer, the first few years, especially this was like before the economy took a big crash in like 2008. Oh yeah. I was making like 1200 a day just doing random work for people. Right. So it was hard to walk away from that because, you know, money. Right. Yeah, bills. (laughs) Yeah, but it was super frustrating and it's really stressful work and they expect really long hours. 10 hour days are super standard. That's, you're going to work 10 hour days. Yeah. And you're going to work weekends and you're going to work late nights and, you know, certain clients like basically tell you like, well, we own you for the length of this project. We will call you at 3 a.m. if we have to, you know. Oh, yeah. and you make money, but it comes at an expense yeah. personally. Yeah. And it messes with uh, your life. It created a lot of anxiety for me. And I also just didn't like that the actual act of advertising. You know, like you sit there every day with these like manipulative thoughts in your head. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. what are they going to respond to? How are they yeah. going to like this? Will they buy the product? Is this going to hit the right demographic? Oh. You know, and so your whole life becomes based on these really strange modes of control. And uh, I, I just, I hated that. <laughs> I don't blame you. you my yeah. stomach started getting a little uh, peaked here, but then you're just staying all that. Yeah. I mean, some people love the job. You know, they yeah. love the creative process. They love the collaborative process of working right. with everybody. And right. To me, it was just like a means to pay the bills. Yeah. No, it, yeah, it was just a check. And I, I don't blame yeah. you. I don't blame you. So I freelanced on the side of painting for many years. That was, it was like I only had to work like a week to pay my bills. And then I could paint for like three weeks. Like you said, it's a trade-off, but still. It wasn't a good trade-off in the end because it was like I didn't have to produce my artwork. I just wanted to. So it was like, it's a hobby. I mean, I was doing shows, I was selling work and all that, but I wasn't giving it my all. And I wasn't like fully in and dedicated to it because it was not my livelihood. Yeah. And I know like... That idea goes both ways. Some people think that there's more freedom. You know, not having a career in art would give you the opportunity to, you know, do and explore and, and go whatever routes you want and without the worry or restraints of, like, sales and galleries and that kind of stuff. But for me, it, like, prevented me from being fully in it. So it wasn't until I went full-time art that... I kind of realized how detached I had been hmm. before. Yeah. Huh. Well, then that is a perfect setup for this question. Do we have free will and why? Um, I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> I Fair have enough. no idea if we have free will because there are a uh, million different takes and philosophies on whether or not just the idea of free will is planned out like you think every every decision you make is your own i have no idea i'm just moving forward with my life the way that the best way that i can on a day-to-day basis and that's fair no that really is fair some people do feel like that they, they don't have free will and they just everything's been already determined for them i think that nothing is made up until it's there you know like a zipper 
you know, you yeah, have to, I, of a jacket. I think kind of everything exists at all times and that you're going to get to it eventually one way or another. So maybe you have free will on the path that you take to get there. Like you could be choosing the shorter path or the longer path or whatever, but you're not conscious of that. Yeah. You're just choosing your day-to-day events and you don't really know if those are events are going to get you where you need to go sooner or later. Word. <laughs> Exclamation <laughs> on that. Let me kind of bring you back to, to your work. Where it comes to intention, uh, what should the viewer walk away with or not about your work? Um, whatever they want. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I enough. have... I don't have defined intentions. I just have like this conglomeration of ideas. You know, it's like I'm, if I'm looking at a portrait, the textures in the background can be a completely separate entity from the more realistic elements in the front. You know, hmm. every, everything has, I'll, I'll sit with a piece and something will happen that day that will make me want to add an element to that piece that I hadn't even thought about before. So huh. it's always just kind of a mash of whatever's going on in the world on a day-to-day basis. And so either they relate to those elements or they don't. You know, some people yeah. look at it and all they see is like some weird, creepy that they don't know how to relate to at all. And other people find all this, uh, you know, depth to it that, I didn't intend, you know, sometimes sometimes things are really superficial. Sometimes there's some really heavy things going on in my life that are being implemented into it. Yeah. And people take them as superficial. So I don't think if you go back to the question of, do we have free will? Like I don't have any say over what somebody walks away with, (laughs) walks away from with my pieces. So, right. Yeah. I think of them as, as organized chaos. You may think or feel differently. Because you're just creating it. You're just making it. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about things, the more complicated they get. So ah, I, see. I think the older I get, that gets easier. But in the past, I just would dwell so much on all the decisions that I make that I prevent myself from going the extra mile. Like, you know, I'd be scared to make certain steps or I would obsess too much about an idea. And now I don't worry about it so much i just you know because i'll just i'll paint over it if it doesn't work right so i just keep adding and subtracting and pulling things away and see what comes of it yeah i I just usually tell people it's just paint yeah yeah i mean a lot of people seem really especially people who don't paint they're like well i'm not good at it i'm like well you, you know you become good at it by doing it right but it's also that fear, like even my stepdaughter, she's 12, like she, I see her sitting there with paint yeah. on a brush and she's just kind of scared to put it down. Yeah. Like she's going to mess up wherever she is. And I'm like, you just paint over it. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's the get over that blank canvas syndrome, you know, Yeah. It, it's just paint. And, and I also sometimes say it's, it's glue. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> so be careful with the glue, but but you know it's just paint. Yeah, no, it's it's not a big deal for me anymore to just explore. I mean, that was a big thing in bringing in the aerosol paints. Was like I'd never used them. Yeah, but I was like, so what? You know, I just paint over it. <laughs> right, <laughs> if it exactly. Work if I don't like it, and I don't use it in a traditional manner of you know painting a whole 
it's not like painting a mural with spray paint. I use paper and business cards and whatever I have, and I scrape it around and maneuver it in different ways, get oh, textures, yeah. Yeah. holding the can in different places, seeing what kind of textures and splatters and things come out. And, you know, sometimes the caps get a little clogged and yeah. they spray out in three directions. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and not that long ago, I would get very irritated by that. And I would spend hours of using acetone to, to clean those caps. But now it's kind of like you said, it's like, you know what, just see what happens with the clogs. You might get something cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't worry about it so much. I mean, I'd, if I would have done this five, ten years ago, I'm sure I would have been very meticulous about how I handled them. But it's, I'm, I'm in a better place now. So. <laughs> What's the one thing people get wrong about you or your work? Uh, that I'm on drugs. <laughs> That's probably right. the biggest one. Hmm. Everybody thinks that I trip all the time or I smoke all the time, and uh, I'm totally sober. So, uh, well, I've been sober for like 250 days or something like that. But congratulations. Before that, I drank and I did a lot of drugs, I guess, when I was younger, but. The work that I did at that time was like no reflection on what was going on there. Right. So it's just like a, anytime people see like a bright contrast of colors, they're like, oh, he trips, you know. And, right. And I did trip when I was younger, but maybe that maybe that's some residual effect. I have no idea, but <laughs> I don't do them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's valid. That's a fair question to, you know. To, to get out there because right? I, you know, I didn't even think about that. Now, you know, when I look at your work, I just see abstractness and, and turmoil. Yeah, no, I see turmoil. So I don't really see any yeah. kind of drug reference. So that's interesting. But that's just me. Yeah, so. I mean, turmoil is a big part of my process. It's just, you know, we are everything we've experienced. So True that. There's always like darkness and optimism and <laughs> all, all these things mixed into what I'm doing. Just like when I was talking about random elements might come into play based on whatever experiences I'm having at the moment, it works the same, you know, emotionally. A lot of the textures and things in the background can be easily you know, manipulated by whatever I'm experiencing. That, that makes sense. Because that also wants me to ask you this. How do you use art as a spiritual practice? I don't have a spiritual practice the way I used to. Okay. I used to approach spirituality in general or just I used to do my daily meditation. I used to have my my routines that were all based around being more positive and all that. And I when excuse my French, when the hit the fan, none of that helped me. <laughs> like it didn't pulled me out of depression. It didn't help my anxiety. It didn't help my PTSD. It didn't, it, like, none of that got me, like, it didn't prepare me for what I thought it would. So now a lot of what we've been talking about, letting go, painting over it, exploring, yeah. allowing all these different elements to come out based on whatever experiences I'm having at the time, those are probably the closest things to my you know, spiritual practice and art is just like letting things happen. Hmm. And if you wanted to relate it to anything, it'd be like, you know, non-detachment and, and Buddhism. Yeah. Stop being so controlling 
with what's going on in your life and just let things happen. Be the leaf in the river. through them. Yeah. 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 Just move through it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm just thinking about that. I mean, it, it, when you work, because <laughs> I worked so meticulously years ago, it was a, such a labor and it was like hard. <laughs> you know, I know, yeah. I know people who that is what they love to do. And they'll like sketch a piece and then draw the piece fully out and then do a paint study and then paint the piece. And like, that's their process and they love it. But like, for me, once I've created something, I don't want to create it again. I don't want to go, <laughs> I don't want to do it again. I just right. want to keep exploring. Yeah. So uh, when I spend too much time on a piece, it becomes real draining and loosening up and allowing things to come the way they have has made it much easier for me in those terms. Like I can just enjoy the process. And if I don't like something, I can come in and experiment and paint over it and <laughs> let it turn into something else. I'm always experimenting. Even when I think a piece is done, I usually sit with it for a couple of days and see if I still feel like it's done. And a lot of times I come back and paint over half of it. Hmm. You know, some yeah. of it might just be with spray paint or with scrapes of color or whatever. But yeah, if it doesn't feel right, then keep going with it. Kind of wrapping up the interview, uh, what advice would you give your past self and to other artists? Um, I wouldn't give myself any advice to my past <laughs> self because I would listen to none of it. Um, and I don't think anybody listens to advice. I, I think it's very rare that we actually hear the things we don't want to hear. Hmm. So you could have told me a hundred times, like the best route for me to get to where I am right now. And I would have still had to have done it my own way. And I would have still had to make the mistakes that I made to get there. And we all have to learn. And that's something that I say to every aspiring artist that contacts me is like, every path is different. You can't take my experience and my life and the things that went on with me and apply it to you and think that there's like some linear path to success. It just doesn't work that way. So hmm. I tell people just keep living your life. Maybe it's not time for you to be full-time art right now. I never recommend for people, a 22-year-old who just got out of college, who's like, I want art to be my life. <laughs> I don't say, you know, well, quit all your jobs and pursue it full-time because right. they might not be ready for that. It took me, like, I was 40 yeah. <laughs> by the time I was ready for full-time art. And some people do get it. Some people can get it straight out of school. Some, some people can. skip school and... They just have this really clear vision and it makes sense and they can run with it, but you can't apply their rules to your life. So that is fair. I got that. Yeah. Cause if you're trying to pursue a career in art, you probably are already in art, you know, in some respects. Yeah. Some people need a lot of time to develop what they're doing. I needed it. Some of it has nothing to do with my ability to create art. Like I needed it mentally. I, I don't know if it was just every insecurity that I grew up with that had absolutely nothing to do with art, but everything to do with like who I am. Yeah. That would not allow me to actually be who I really was and present my work and art to the world in that way. It takes a certain space. Like you have to be in a certain confidence level with what you're doing. Not like a 
fake it till you make it thing. Not just like talking yourself up saying like, Man, I'm so good. I can just go out and do it. Right. You're either there or you're not. And I don't know ever how to explain to somebody how to know when that time is. Well, that's valid. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that bit of advice. I want to say thank you to Anthony for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to learn more about Anthony and his work, head on over to his Instagram at Anthony Hurd. To hear past episodes of Artbox, go to artboxdnv.com and Artbox is on Instagram at artboxdnv. So until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>